Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. If you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, or a trusted adult before continuing to tune in to my podcast episodes. So today I have a very, very, very special guest. It is a therapist in the field, a male therapist, and you know, I'm always trying to pick everybody's brain. Um, I brought him on to interview him, and so I'm really, really excited about it. His name is William. William, are you there? Yep. Awesome. So William is here with me today. I'm going to pick his brain a little bit. I'm going to ask him a couple of questions so that you guys can get to know him, okay? He's a friend of mine, and I've been following his work for many, many years now. So, William, would you mind telling the world your credentials, please? Sure. I'm a licensed mental health counselor um, and a certified addiction professional. Okay. And how long have you been in the field? started out as an addiction professional working in addiction treatment probably about 30 years ago I would guess okay wow that's a long time yeah yeah it is wow okay and what do you do for a living with your degree um well so, well my degree is in counseling like a counseling psychology so that helps me get licensed as a mental health counselor and then I guess I do individual, family, uh, couples, predominantly individual and couples therapy these days. I've done a lot of group in the past, um, but generally just therapy, uh, talk therapy, psychotherapy. And you teach as well, correct? Right. I Yeah, I mean, I guess the degree helps with that, but... I, I don't want to leave, like, I only have a master's degree, and most people that teach at the university level have a uh, doctorate degree, um, but yeah, I teach, I think, five or six or seven different psychology classes at Florida International University in the undergrad, uh, in the psychology department and for undergrads. Got it, got it. Okay, awesome. And why did you decide to become a therapist, out of curiosity? Um, I fell in love with psychology when I got therapy for myself in my early 20s, like probably 21. Um, I fell in love with therapy, I guess. I, I think I said psychology, but it was, I guess it was both. Like, to me, therapy is the application of psychology, right? So I fell in love with it. Um, I decided that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I hit some bumps in the road where I thought it was going to take too long. And, and I, um, you know, it took a few semesters and then quit. And then eventually, like, I hit a crossroads in my life. And I was asking myself, what do I really want to do for a living, like, with my life, period? And I came back to, I was love therapy and I want to be a counselor and and then I actively you know that's when I got my first job in the field kind of as a um just working at a treatment center almost like a babysitter of the of the people that were there but you know it gets your foot in the door and I started learning and then I got certified and then I continued my education and, and got my 
you know, I started out getting an associate's degree and then um, a certificate. I became, well, the first thing I got was a certificate in drug and alcohol counseling. And then I became a certified addiction counselor like three years after starting in the field. But now you need a bachelor's for that. But back then you didn't. And then uh, I kept going and got my associates and my bachelor's. And then eventually I was getting tired of addiction addiction treatment alone. Like as a, like that was the only thing I was doing. So the way to branch out into other things was to go back to college. So I went back to college and got my master's degree and, and uh, you know, that's where I'm at today. Like I got my master's, got licensed, um, and I run a pro- yeah, I have a private practice. Private practice life. Would you say it's a lot less stressful than working within the community? Wow, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think there's ways it's less stressful, and I think there's ways it's more stressful. So, so it's hard to give a a black and white yes or no answer to that. But I would say the things I love about private practice is I can make my own schedule. I have the, you know, I have freedom in that. I don't have anyone over my shoulder. I don't have anybody telling me I didn't see enough clients this week or my, you know, my hours are down or anything like that. Um, so that's much less stressful. Uh, also the clientele, like when I've done community mental health, um, the clients themselves are usually, they aren't as high level functioning as those in, yes. that you would see in private practice. So, yes. you know, so there's the stress of that, like the clients in community mental health, you know, they have so many factors that are negatively impacting their lives where most of my clients today, you know, they have they still have factors affecting their lives. Obviously, I'm not trying to diminish that, but they're not, they don't have schizophrenia. They don't have, you know, some kind of delusions. They're not living in poverty. Um, Where community mental health, there's a higher population of those living in poverty or living on like a very meager income. Um, In private practice, people generally have insurance. I don't take insurance, but even some of my clients have insurance and stop to to see me because they have that financial flexibility where they can, you know, they can pay for a therapist. Um, so I think in those ways, it's less stressful. And then it's more stressful when, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. I bet, like I had half the clients I normally have scheduled and then half of them canceled. So that's like your income is cut, you know, by you know, a third, let's say, or two thirds, maybe. So, you know, that can be stressful, all the managing of business type things that we're generally not trained for um, can be stressful. And, you know, so there's stressors in that way, I guess. Yeah. And and there's, I, I would say also one other stressor in, in private practice is it's, it's on you. Like, if I, when I worked in community mental health, if somebody was in a crisis, they called, you know, the center and the center dealt with it if I wasn't there, you know, if it wasn't my eight hours a day. But when you're in private practice, 
and someone's in crisis, it's you. Yep. Like you're the you're the go-to, so that can be more stressful. Yeah, I really relate to everything that you just expressed. Everything that you just expressed. And um, I used to work in community mental health. That was how I got my foot in the door. And I remember, um, even though it was Medicaid uh, clients, a lot of them, even though the therapy was free, didn't show uh, for service. Whereas the ones that are actually uh, paying for the service, even though it might be more expensive, um, do show. So it's yeah. very, it's very interesting. So I I really relate right. to a lot of what you um, express right. there. And what would you say is your favorite population to work with? I mean, this is gonna sound horrible, but I mean, I like the working well. If we're talking about populations, like I like working with the clients I work with that you know have the financial flexibility, and and some of them are working towards like personal growth rather than surviving their life like you know you mentioned working in community mental health and you know a lot of times people that are in that population they're just trying to get by they're just trying to like stay afloat and I I think it's a great place to start and it's probably my bias because that's where I started but I think it's a great place to start because learn so much and then when you move into working with clients that have more resources it's almost easier you know like it's like you you trained really hard to to work easier i guess you know train hard and easy i think is the saying or something but um so yeah i i think that that's another aspect of community mental health that can be stressful. And, and you were asking, like, what is my favorite population? I guess if you mean mental health-wise. Yes. Um, like, I like working with people that are just there to be better people, you know? And I, I know that's rare. Um, but I guess if I have to say my favorite, it's like, you know, it's people that want to gain insight into themselves. They want to learn why they do what they do rather than just trying to manage symptoms that are having negative consequences in their lives okay um so that's you, a horrible answer that's I, not- <laughs> I really feel that's a horrible answer <laughs> you know like it's like a selfish answer you know what i mean that's not a horrible answer i'm i'm curious more specifically if you've ever enjoyed or would work with children i I love children. Like, I think kids are great, but I never want to work with them. No, that's, that's something I, you know, I, I think in my whole 30-year, I mean, it depends on your definition of children. Like, I've worked with adolescents, uh, and I will take adolescents, like older adolescents, I guess, Yeah. Um, as clients, but children under, like, pre-adolescent children, I think in my entire career, I've worked with a handful, and and mostly my reasoning behind that is I don't feel they have enough power. Like I, to me, I'm about, I'm about empowering the client. And when it's a child, they're so much at the mercy of their environment, especially their parents, that it's just something I, I've shied away from, I guess. Got it. And 
as far as the intervention of your choice, is there ever, is there an intervention or a school of thought that's kind of your go-to when you're seeing a client? Yeah, I think mindfulness-based interventions are my number one intervention. Like, I, I think mindfulness is the cure for everything. So I'm a little, I probably annoy people with how, like, I'm a born-again mindful person. You know what I mean? So, so like, you know, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes born-again Christians get a, get a bad rap for, like, they're trying to get everybody to be a born-again Christian. And I'm that way with mindfulness. I'm trying to get everybody to be mindful. So the school, I guess, I guess the school of thought is um, ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, is probably one of my favorites just because, you know, I'm really into, accept, I'm into Eastern philosophy and Buddhism and Taoism and a lot of it in those belief systems where you, you know, you kind of just accept that is like giving up but it's not really giving up as much as it's understanding what you can't change and um trying to accept that and as far as the things you can change you work to change it you know so i love acts as a therapy it's very mindfulness based okay what why is mindfulness in your opinion so important Psychology-wise, you know, everybody's big on all oh, mindfulness is like this new wave of uh, of treating disorders, right? And there's all this research now on mindfulness. But I read a book some years ago that talked about how Freud used mindfulness. Like mindfulness has always been a part of psychology, where you have to be aware of what's happening to change it, right? So. Um, so there's aspects of mindfulness in all psychology, but I think, you know, why do I think it's so important? I, I mean, so the first part of my answer is it's always been integral in psychology. I guess the second part would be, you know, I think I said this today, there's this saying that if you're depressed, you're living in the past, and if you're anxious, you're living in the future. So the solution is to being present, right? Being mindful, being in the moment. And I think I just think it's a good intervention. And I think it gets a I guess if I'm gonna give a third reason, you know, I think teaching psychology, because I've been teaching FIU for twelve or thirteen years now, I, I can't remember, but um teaching there and reading psychology and like teaching these classes and looking at all the research and just our minds lie to us so much like they distort reality so much like if you're depressed it puts a negative veil over everything that happens if you're anxious it puts a fearful veil over everything that happens and you know whatever the case is you could go on and on with each each mental health issue but since our brains are lying to us the best way to combat that is realize that and just come back to the present like stop listening to our our inner thoughts so much and i think mindfulness is the best technique to to bring that about to stop listening to ourselves so much 
I remember a few years back, you recommended a book called uh, Buddha's Brain. Is that something that you would still recommend? Absolutely. I love that book. I, I don't think I've ever stopped recommending that book. Like, that was the book that I was... Like, I get high on books sometimes, and, and I realize that now, like, you know, throughout my career. Like, the book I'm really high on right now is Why Everyone Else is a Hypocrite. Um, because we're all hypocrites, that's kind of the, the theme of the book. Like, and, it, and it's the modular theory of the mind and you know, it, anyhow, that's the book I've been recommending to everybody, and also the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I, I'm sorry. Oh, I need that one. That's the name of the title, huh? I need that one. That's a great book, actually. I mean, he's not a psychologist; he's a journalist, the guy that wrote it. But there's so much philosophy and psychology in that book. It's it's just amazing. So um, those are the books I'm high on now. But I love Buddha's Brain because, yeah, it, the whole idea of Buddha's Brain is your brain is distorting reality um, to an extent and we're hurting ourselves more with the way, you know, things hurt, but then the story we create about them makes it hurt more. So Buddha's brain is about, you know, understanding the brain, why it does what it does and how to kind of combat it. Like the subtitle of that book is... Oh, jeez, man, I used to have that memorized. It has to do with love and um, wisdom. I remember that. The subtitles, like, had a... I shouldn't have said that. Delete that part so I don't look like an idiot. But I can't remember the subtitle. But the subtitle is about loving more and, and having more wisdom in your life. Okay, perfect. Awesome. So I remember, yeah, you told me to read it. I actually read half the book and I never finished it. I do that a lot. Yeah. I think it's my a, it's my uh, ADHD. Sometimes I, I pick up a book, I read it, and I'm like, okay, I'll get back to it later. But um, I've heard great things well, I, from other people as well. Yeah, I mean, and the the guy that wrote the subtle art of not giving a fuck, he says you don't have to finish every book you read. Like if it doesn't interest you. Don't read it. Like, if you watch a movie and you don't like the movie, you shut it off. Like, why do you have to finish every book you start? And, it, and I have had people tell me they didn't really love that book. But I would say, you know, if I recommended that book to 100 people, and I probably recommended it to more, you know, considering students, and I say it in class and everything like that. Um, but it, on the, you know, an average of, like, if it was 100 people, I would say 75% give positive reviews of it so you know every book isn't for every person although the subtle art of not giving a fuck that book i would say i've got 90 percent positive feedback from like every, almost everybody loves that book i really need that book like i said i i give way too many fucks <laughs> yeah. um, well we all do i think that's why the book that book was a new york times bestseller actually Oh, like, wow. that book did really, really well. So, you know, it's not like, you know, I found this book, you know, that no one else ever heard of. And, you know, it's obscure. Like, when I mention it, people, almost everybody's heard of it. So, it's a, it's a very, like, it sold well. And I think, you know, you said I give way too many fucks. And I think we all do. I think that's why the book sold well. You know, we all do. Um, and I guess my last question, if you had some advice for my 
listeners, any any feedback, any advice on, you know, how to better themselves, how to improve their day to day. What would be your feedback? Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is a friend of mine that's a therapist. He always does these videos. Like he'll just be driving and he'll be looking at the camera and he'll say, "Go to therapy," you know. Like, and I feel like that might be the first piece of advice. Is there's nothing wrong with therapy. Therapy can be really, really helpful and can help you understand yourself. You don't have to have a problem to go to therapy. But if I were it, besides therapy, I would say. Um, Stop listening to your mind so much. Like, don't pay so much attention to your thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. In in ACT therapy, they call it defusion, like D-E-F-U-S-I-O-N, which is, because normally we're fused with our thoughts. Our thoughts and us are the same. Um, And the idea is to create some separation and see them and feel them and you know, recognize them, but recognize their only thoughts, their only feelings. They're not truth. They're not reality. They're just thoughts. So I guess that would be my, I think it is like, that's the thing I say the most to people in my, and whatever I've written over the years, whatever I've, you know, done my own videos of, it's not paying so much attention to what you think. Can you uh, tell the people your Instagram handle? I think it's inner and then under underline underscore uh, wellness underscore therapy. Okay. Thank you so much, William, for being here. I really respect you and your work, and you always challenge me to think differently. So I really appreciate you being in my podcast. Ah, uh, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. This is the first podcast I've ever done, so it's it's an honor, I guess, to be asked. Thanks problem all right everybody so keep tuning in i look forward to hearing your feedback on william and uh some of his uh beliefs all right have a good one take care be safe and stay home if you're not going to get vaccinated bye